You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. And, uh, you know, each diocesan priest has his favorite bishop as his own bishop of his diocese. But if we have a runner-up, I think it would be our semi-regular guest whom we've had the pleasure of visiting with very often. It's, you know, it's his great fortune to spend time with us and waste time with us on air. Wouldn't you say, Father Gross? He's so grateful. Great. He's thanking his lucky so stars every day. We were, yeah. we were thinking of coming up like with a regular title for the sake because we end up coming, and we thought, you know, what, what's that famous song called? Well, you know, we first of all, we should introduce the, the Bishop of Winona, Rochester, Bishop John Quinn. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, thank you, uh, Father Jason, Father James. <laughs> Blessed are you. It's always good being with you. <laughs> so there was a song dating back to the late uh, 60s, early 70s. Uh, Bob Dylan, I believe, wrote it, and the Grateful Dead helped to make it famous, entitled Quinn the Eskimo. And uh, the, um, uh, the the refrain says, in part, that you've not seen nothing like the mighty Quinn. And so. we thought we'll, we'll change it to the mighty Bishop Quinn. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, having... I'm not sure that would fly here with Benny. <laughs> <laughs> having, having given you that grandiose introduction, um, let's just begin by talking about kind of the, the, the morale of things. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in hearing your perspective as a bishop of uh, the priests in your diocese during, and I know it's become so cliche, but these challenging and unprecedented times. Uh, if you could just share with us just some um, some overall reflections of how um, the the priests and the parishes are are carrying on and doing in the midst of these days. Sure, uh, I you know over these months uh, I have uh, tried to stay in you know contact with my brother priest. Uh, we of course do Zoom so that we get to have uh, a session where I can both uh, speak to them, but I can see them on the Zoom, and then they can ask questions. So. We've tried to do that. And also, I uh, do meet individually with the priests. I've been doing that since I was assigned here 11 years ago. So I, and by social distancing, when they come to my home, I also, we can still continue that practice. My senior brothers, uh, I call on the phone and make uh, contact with them. This is what I've learned. I think our priests are being very heroic during this time. Uh, the, uh, they love their parishioners. They've done everything they can, even with a lot of restrictions for funerals, uh, to bring anointing of the sick uh, to people, to, as they've been allowed to get into nursing homes or to have to visit outside uh, or gown up and go in. Uh, they've really been heroic with that. And, of course, with masses all through that time, there were restrictions here on the number of people. The governor has extended that, so more people are now at mass, and the uh, even though we're only allowed, I think, 50% capacity or less. Um, but I think our priests are being heroic during this time. They're seeing it as an opportunity to grow in holiness. And from the letters I get from people are uh, God's faithful people. They really appreciate it. Um, so my sense is our priests are, as you say, um, 
being challenged, but also they're rising to that, and um, they've been just a huge example of faithful men, generous men, uh, certainly to me and to God's people. See, see, Bishop, you know, like you and your diocese, our diocese, we, we have the fortune of actually being able, if we choose to, to go to Mass at this time and take part in the sacraments, maybe on a limited basis. But there's a number of our brothers and sisters who, here months later, they still do not have access to the sacraments or because of where they live or so forth or their situation. Do, do you have any just... I guess, words of encouragement or reasons for hope for those folks who are suffering in such a spiritual way? Sure. Uh, I would encourage them, uh, as I do our senior citizens, our people who have underlying conditions. Um, Most of the parishes, and I know certainly the diocese, would have a live-streamed Mass or would have a Mass that is taped and available. I also encourage them that, remember, the Lord knows the suffering, and the Lord will give the grace that is needed, and that yearning for the Eucharist, that desire for the Eucharist, will not go unrewarded, and that even though they cannot come to the Church or there isn't a Mass available, the desire of the heart, let let the Lord um, do the work that the Lord does in giving graces. It certainly isn't the same as the reception of the Eucharist, but let the Lord provide for the human soul there with uh, the grace that would help them as if uh, they were receiving the Eucharist. So I I would encourage strongly, be hope-filled. The Lord knows what we're going through. He does not know prison walls. He does not know COVID-19 the Lord loves each of us and, and will provide. Thanks for those encouraging words. The, uh, you know, just recently it's come to my attention that uh, Pope Francis on October 3rd is going to uh, Assisi, and on the 4th he's, he's releasing a new encyclical. Do, do you have any idea about what this might be about or anything, or have you heard of it yourself? Or I've heard just a little bit, and I, I certainly wouldn't want to suggest I have any inside information, but the fact that the Holy Father is going to Assisi, a place of peace, uh, you know, the great Saint Francis, huh? Uh, his life was to bring about peace and uh, encouraging people to embrace one another as sisters and brothers, that I would think, given all of the the violence in our world, and we certainly see it in our own country, that I think the Holy Father will probably have a strong message for us based on St. Francis, uh, and that this is our common home, no matter what religious uh, affiliation, that we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I, I think it may be dedicated to peace, first beginning in our hearts, but then uh, going all the way up through nations. 
Very good. Well, Bishop Quinn, we uh, have a couple of other topics that we want to approach with you while we have you on the uh, on the line today. Uh, so far in September, we've had a couple of significant memorials for our Blessed Mother on the 8th of September, the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and one week later, just this past Tuesday, the Memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows. Can you speak with us about the role that Our Lady is playing and can play in the lives of those who are struggling since we are acutely aware of this? perhaps more so in these times than usual. Oh, absolutely. Those are two wonderful feasts. Here in the uh, Diocese of Winona, Rochester, uh, on the Feast of Mary's Nativity, because we're really talking there, rejoicing at the beginnings of our salvation, because by Mary's birth now the Lord has the chosen vessel, and who will now be the mother of uh, God's only Son, who will be the um, will provide for the triune God the means for the incarnation. So we dedicate, we rededicate our um, uh, diocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on that feast, and then the parishes do it during the week. And then also the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows reminds us Mary really carried the cross uh, with her son. And uh, every time Mary is mentioned in the scriptures, she is living out a very costly discipleship. I think sometimes we think when the Lord picks us for his special work that it's going to be easy, and it's not. Mary um, suffered along with her son, and that feast reminds us she was at the foot of the cross at the very end. So by meditating on uh, Mary's role in salvation, she gives me hope. And I know uh, on the cross where Jesus gives her to all of us, not just to the beloved disciple, but behold your mother, that she is a mother to us all and is helping us through some very, very difficult days. You know, I I often think of this very moment that you're you're beautifully describing to us that... uh, um, you know, especially of, say, our Protestant brothers and sisters, but even fellow Catholics who struggle with relationship with Mary or they question it or, you know, they think it doesn't have a place there or something. But I think of this very moment when he does say, you know, uh, woman, behold yeah. your son. And then it says from that moment forward, he took her into his home. You yeah. know, he, he took her into his home. And I... And I just, for me, at times it's overwhelming, and I, it causes me a particular sorrow for my brothers and sisters who maybe don't have a good relationship with their spiritual mother or don't know her or, or are are not open to it. Is there, is as a, as an apostle, can you give us any kind of word of encouragement there about why why it's so important to let her come into our homes? Oh, amen. Uh, you know, because we're all trying to be the beloved disciple. Uh, to be the beloved disciple means to take Mary into our lives because she is the most perfect disciple. She's the pattern of the church. She's the model for all of us of how to receive the Word of God. But also to know Mary is to know her son. Uh, it's not competition. Uh, the rosary itself are the mysteries of our salvation. So by knowing Mary, by entering into her life as a disciple, to see the fidelity of Mary, uh, her surrender 
to God's plan, it really brings us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's never that Mary is diverting us. She brings us to her son, you know, that, that first miracle in John's Gospel. You know, what does uh, Mary say? Do whatever he tells you. Um, that Mary will always, uh, in her fidelity, lead her children, all of us, into a deeper relationship with the Lord. So I, I, I would encourage uh, anyone who doesn't have a devotion to Mary to begin one, and the easiest way is begin the rosary. Um, it's scriptural. Hail uh, Mary, full of grace, comes right out of Luke's Gospel. You are encountering the Word, and the Word made flesh, and the mysteries, all uh, four sets of our, the mysteries of the rosary, bring us to Jesus. Well, we're, for those who are just tuning in, we're visiting with Bishop John Quinn from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester in Minnesota. And for the couple of minutes, Bishop, that we have left with you, we also wanted to speak about uh, the role of deacons, and uh, particularly, I would say, the permanent diaconate, which at the Second Vatican Council was revived, uh, reinstated, and for some 50 years or so now has been experienced in parishes in our country and throughout the world. We'd like to hear from you, um, maybe just not only in a general sense about the the role of the deacon in the church, but how you have experienced it um, as a priest and later as a bishop, um, just uh, in your collaboration and working with deacons in the church. Sure. I, uh, as part of really uh, uh, relating to that topic, uh, here in our diocese, uh, we've been really blessed. Uh, I think it's really the, the deep prayer we have uh, 20 seminarians this year, uh, which is huge for us. And then also, uh, with I just celebrated a few weeks ago um, the ordination of 11 permanent deacons. So the Lord is pouring out His grace. And then I also attended um, the final vows for five women uh, as uh, Sisters of Mercy from Alma, then also another one of our women from our diocese who um, received, uh, was made her profession at the Sisters of the Martyr St. George in Altup. So I really see God's hand in very visible ways here and in the lives of our uh, people. With the diaconate especially, I have been pastor uh, and I've had uh, deacons assist I, of course, we're very blessed here in, in Winona, Rochester, to have, I think, close to 40 uh, uh, deacons. And uh, they are a great help to assist the, the priest. They don't replace the priest. It's a, it's a separate vocation, and it's not meant to fill in. It is a, a service, and it's rooted in the Word of God. It's rooted in preaching and teaching and acts of charity, particularly for the poor and those who do not know the Lord. So the diaconate has its own special calling, um, and here they have enriched our life. And as you know, they can witness marriages, they can celebrate um, baptisms, they can conduct funeral rites, particularly at the graveside. So they provide very much service diaconal ministry uh, for our people, uh, and they're not a replacement for the priest. They, 
They don't celebrate Mass. They are not able to hear this uh, and participate in the sacrament of penance except as a penitent, um, and they cannot anoint the sick. But it's really preaching, teaching, and acts of service. And they are a great blessing in our parishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to give us a little bit of a, a background here, the, the gentleman whom you ordained as uh, permanent deacons, about how long of a journey is that uh, typically when you're looking at their uh, formation and, and preparation? It's a, a five uh, to six year commitment. Okay. Uh, it's because the formation is uh, essential there that their hearts be formed in mm-hmm. the diaconal work of Jesus Christ. As you know, he came to serve, not to be served. But then there's also an academic portion, and we cooperate and utilize the assistance of the Augustine Institute uh, so they can take classes online, uh, just as we would expect anyone who's clergy to be mm-hmm. well-formed in the Catholic right. tradition. And then, of course, experiences pastorally in, in parishes. So it is a journey, and their spouses, uh, their wife, uh, right. is also part of things. And we need both of them to be of one heart, because, uh, you know, the deacon will have responsibilities, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, that demands a great deal of generosity in order to fulfill his yeah. vocation as a married man, but also as a deacon. Mm-hmm. And we need to give credit to the DWs, the deacons' wives, who are with them every step on the way in that journey. Before Amen. we let you go here, Bishop, if we could call upon you to offer a blessing for our listeners. I surely will. And again, thank you for having me uh, on this morning. Uh, I wish all of you every blessing. Uh, we're going into October, which is, of course, uh, Mary's month. But uh, don't miss the graces yet that are available to us this month particularly the exaltation of the Holy Cross that we celebrated just a few days ago. So may the blessing of Almighty God come upon us. May that blessing be a lamp unto our feet. May we rest upon the rock who is God in our lives. May the love of Jesus Christ flood our hearts. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Bishop Quinn, thank you so much again for uh, joining us and being so generous with your time, and blessings to all of you and your diocese. Thank you, and keep me all in your prayers, will you? Yes. Fantastic. Well, we have one last break to take here on Real Presence Live, but up next we'll be looking at a preview of the next show and a beautiful story from our neighbors in Kansas that's coming up after the break on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible. And we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. 
Have you forgiven those who have hurt you, especially those who abandoned or left you after taking their own life? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus says that you can only be forgiven by God if you forgive others. It is one of the most important things you can ever do. For if you don't, you are jeopardizing your own salvation. When you refuse to forgive someone, you are not hurting them. You are only hurting yourself. Forgiveness is a critical part of the healing process, which includes forgiving yourself. Also, forgiveness may not be nearly as difficult as you think. So join us and learn how to forgive, and God can fully forgive you through His love and mercy. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, two hours nearly gone by here as Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are joining you. Um, one last thought that I wanted to share. We had a caller who called in as we were talking about the O. Henry segment and about Flannery O'Connor. She was seriously ill at the time of many of her writings. They were influenced by her suffering. She passed away of lupus, I believe, uh, shortly before the age of 40. So some great uh, literary um, investments in our country and the more we can dive into those, the better off we'll be. I wanted to share a quick story about uh, a place that many of you may have heard of, Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, which is a beautiful setting on the bluffs of the Missouri River. Um, They have, of course, reconvened for the fall semester, and they've had a lot of similar challenges to other colleges and universities. There are some places that have quarantined all of their students to dorm rooms or other housing to stop increases in the novel coronavirus and those very cases. It's also involved Greek life and various fraternities, sororities, etc. Well, uh, the local county was planning to do the same for their college, but uh, in a video that was released in, on August 28th, the president of the college, I'm just trying to look for his first name here, uh, Stephen, Stephen Minnis, asked the college community to pray and fast until September 8th, the Blessed Mother's birthday, to avoid the mass quarantine. He said, it was natural for us to call on her. Can you help us out? The college was consecrated to Our Lady on her September 8th feast day in 2013. Um, So uh, the president received a county quarantine order, which was scheduled to go into effect that night. Uh, The original order did not allow students to leave their housing for church services, though health officials later revised the order to permit it. Um, I think that was uh, kind of the meat of this story. The president said that with or without the provision, the college would have filed a legal challenge if the order had gone 
gone into effect. He says, it was wholly unconstitutional, let alone the First Amendment. You prohibited people to gather, you were confining them. It was literally house arrest of these young people. How did we allow this pandemic to take so many of our rights as Americans away without a fight? So they gathered in prayer and were able to change the minds of the authorities, saying that this is so much a part of their identity to be able to uh, to convene for worship, but to do so responsibly and safely. So kudos to Benedictine College for being a real example of faith in this time. And, and really a light of hope and courage for all those who are in similar situations at this time. Yes, yes, all over the country. Well, as uh, the time is winding down, we're going to turn things over to uh, Eli at Command Central to give us a preview of our next program. Thanks, Father. Great show today. Another good one coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That'll be hosted by Karen Gibis and Brendan Murphy, coming to you from the Rapid City Catholic Newman Center. We'll start off the show visiting with Father Mark McCormick, Michael Mansfield, and Samuel Carroll about how they all showed up on 8 a.m. on a Saturday. You'll want to tune in for that one. Then Megan Henley and Matt Remich will talk about fighting the war on college campuses. Plus, Father Luke Meyer will talk about igniting the faith on the campus. All this and a whole lot more coming up on the next Real Presence Live, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Back to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eli. And just the moments that we have left, Father Leffer, I wanted to ask you about um, something you mentioned in particular before uh, uh, we started the show, that this is a significant 400th anniversary year. Of the sending of the Mayflower. Mayflower. Yes. <laughs> they had in, in, in Portsmouth yesterday, in, over in, in England, they... It was supposed to be this huge deal, but because of COVID, they yeah, uh, it was pretty small and people didn't realize it. Whatever, but interestingly, they they built a new Mayflower. It's all operated by artificial intelligence and powered by solar electricity or whatever kind of a thing. Anyway, it's kind of a funky story out there. You might want to check check. I don't yeah. know if there's any pilgrims on it though, or any Quakers on it. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, it really got my attention. And, yeah. I was like, and then it puts it in perspective where we are. Four hundred. You know, years when you later. think about the experience, especially once they arrived in Massachusetts and having to make their way, you know, dealing with the Native Americans and uh, how threatening diseases were. Uh, History Channel had a, a mini survey, mini uh, series not long ago called America Our Defense. Finding hours, and there was a segment of that show, which I'm sure a person could find on YouTube, that talked about in detail what happened to those people on that voyage, and wow, what a sacrifice. And there were many similar ones for the millions of pilgrims and immigrants who came across the sea. Um, it was a perilous trip indeed, but uh, many of us who are listening are directly thankful to those ancestors because for it doing makes that. You, it makes you hungry for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's uh, about two months to go, uh, but, but who's counting, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, blessings to all of you. Thank you for taking this time to listen to uh, Real Presence Live and to all of our programming on the Real Presence Radio Network. For my colleague, Father Jason Luffer, it's Father James Gross here from the Diocese of Fargo, and uh, wishing you all the blessings that God can give you today. God bless you. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live. Local, engaging, and live. 
on the Real Presence Radio Network.